Good morning from my side. It's great to be together. I'd love for you to um, take up your Bibles. If you have them with you, we're going to um, read together. And we're going to do it a little bit differently this morning. Are you good? If um, you don't have a Bible, um, that's fine. Still love you, but it's always encouraged. We always encourage you to come with your Bibles so that you can follow us and and make notes. By the way, that's another thing is I've when when I got saved, one of the things that I learned from the minute go was I take notes when I'm in church. And uh, it's just such a simple practice. It's not, you know, to prove that you were here because nobody's going to ask you for your notes. But it's just a very simple way. And I know that the notes are available. But you know what? There's things that often stand out for you like, ah, that thing that was said there. Well, this verse here, I've got to read, you know, read this or whatever go there. And it's just stuff that you can go back to. So simple advice, all right? Uh, and if you do need a notebook or something, shot, we can even help you with that. But this morning, I want to read to us from Matthew chapter 6. And I want to ask you, we're going to do it in reverence of the Word this morning, that the Word is powerful. It's a sharp, two-edged sword. It can cut and, and, and penetrate our hearts. And we're going to give it um, some definite recognition this morning. So I want to ask you to stand as we read it. Is that all right? Not that I really, you know, I mean, if you say no, then you can stay seated, I guess. It's not wrong to stay seated, but I want us to read the word together. Um, I'll read it, so don't worry, you don't have to. Um, but read it and say, God, this is, this is hugely important, the word of God. And by standing, we are saying we, we recognize the authority of God's word in our lives. You know, often when you, when you have somebody coming in, I was brought up in a culture where when, when an elderly person comes into the room or a, a lady, then I get up from my chair. Just as a recognition. And so this morning, um, we recognize the authority of God's word. And therefore, we stand and we say, God, we, we want to ask you to help us to let the word take um, its place in our lives. Okay? So let's read. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, which is the ESV, um, and from verse 1. Chapter 6, Matthew. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. <laughs> For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so as we stand right now, Father, we recognize your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the beauty of your word. And that it does penetrate into our hearts and should. And this morning, that's our prayer, that it would do that. Not my words, but the power of your written word. The Logos word of God. The written word will become real, will become a rhema word to us. Lord God, I pray that it will not just be what we read, but what we, um, in a sense, in a spirit, perceive and receive from you that will change our lives. And I pray for each one of us, Lord God, myself included, that your word will um, change us and mold us as we discuss this together. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. And on that note, you may take your seats. All right, so this morning's um, topic or the theme of our message is, it's kind of come up, when, sacred, when secret becomes sacred. When secret becomes sacred. And we're still on our journey through the book of Matthew, where we are looking at a number of things um, from this book. And our focus, the lens that we are using, is the rulership of Christ in our lives. So we call the theme or the series, The King and I. So we're saying, King Jesus, how does your kingdom values determine the way I live today? And how do they, uh, how should they impact my life? And so this morning, when we talk about this concept, we, we're going to look at a few things. So the most common thing that stand out from the portion that we read together from verses 1 to 15 is, is something that we all are familiar with, isn't it? In that portion, 15 verses, what stands out for you? The what? Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh-huh. I want to show you that something else is going to be as important this morning. And by the way, it, it, it says in my Bible even, the heading says the Lord's Prayer. I don't think it's the Lord's Prayer. By the way, headings in the Bibles are, are not headings by the authors. Have you ever thought about that? The authors of these um, books never wrote down headings. They, headings were given to us to kind of like break them up into paragraphs and portions. And by the way, the Bible was never written with verses and, and chapters. Did you know that? The original Bible, you can actually buy a Bible like that, where it doesn't give you verses and chapters. It's actually quite nice to read. The, I've got one, electronic format. To read it like that is, is, is mind-boggling a bit because we're so used to, and we're used to headings and stuff. So when your Bible says the Lord's Prayer, I think it's incorrect because it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's not the prayer that Jesus ought to have prayed because in it there's one key element that actually disqualifies it from the prayer that Jesus should be praying. Because Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are debted against us. Has Jesus ever sinned? It cannot be a prayer that Jesus prays. There are other elements in it that obviously will be real, Father in heaven, all those things. But Jesus never prays and never should or will have to pray, forgive us, forgive me for my sins, because that's heresy. Jesus cannot sin. He was tempted like you and us, 
are, but he never sinned. He overcame sin for us. And so, by the way, this is not the Lord's prayer. This is our prayer. Hey? This is the prayer that you and I need to understand is for us. Now, I know that we've always thought about it, but just as a kind of like a side note, it's not the Lord's prayer. It is the disciples' prayer, you and I. So just look around and say, hey, guys, this is what you ought to pray. But let's look at some elements in here that I think often we neglect or we miss. And so I want to ask you to go back to verse 1 with me. And we're going to just look at some elements in there that's going to reflect in, in what our title is this morning. So you're all good. Well done for coming. You guys are a bit of a softies because you came for the later one because the earlier one. By the way, I, I, I just want to you know, recognize some of these guys at work. I had, a, I had a, a message at 10 past 6 this morning. From here, one of the young guys that came to do set up and do the sound says, listen, Zeso is not on yet. Can, and we send him some credit. But 10 past 6. How's that, eh? So I don't want to give the name because God will reward him. But um, amazing just how people are serving. So we, so I was like, buddy, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. But anyway, so it says here a couple of things that are often missed. Because we, as you all have said, from verses 1 to verse 15, the one thing, the one thing that stands out is this prayer thing. But, but we miss this, I think. Because things like, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people <laughs> in order to be seen. It says they, um, they, they, they sounded the trumpet um, before them as they give the nanide. They wanted people to know that they have given. It's like, da -da -da -da! I'm just going to take my stuff to the corner there where we give to Hillside Junior and we want everybody to see. That's what Jesus says. Don't do it like that. The other thing that he says, um, they do this because they want to be praised by others. How many of you like the praise of others? I know it's cold. You can raise your hands. I mean, seriously. Huh? We all do like the praise of others, isn't it? Some of you are so incredibly holy. Uh, you're looking into your Bible and they, <laughs> no, you all, you all, I am one of them. Um, and so are you. And so... Um, <laughs> We all like to be praised by people. Jesus says, ah, shouldn't live like that. Anyway, it carries on. It says, do not left. How many of you got a left hand and a right hand? Again, all of you. I know you don't want to raise your hand. Those guys that are sitting in the sun, they can do that because it's nice and warm there at the back. Um, but yeah, the left hand and the right hand, the left hand should do something the right hand shouldn't actually know about it. Jesus is saying, let your life be like that. And then it says further, um, your giving must be done in secret in verse 4. Because your father sees in secret. And then he says in verse 5, when people pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. I know that many people don't like public prayer. But by the way, it's another thing that I think we, we're going to love to create moments for that as well. But public prayer is a beautiful thing. But we don't do it so that we can let Others see us and hear us. Yet Jesus is warning us against that, particularly. He says also, when you do pray, in verse 6, he says, when you, go, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He says, guys, prayer is not a, a public thing, first of all. It is a private thing. And then he says, when you do pray, 
Don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard through by their many words. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, often you, you would find that there are situations where people want to be recognized as prayer warriors because they have many eloquent words that they use. You know, and like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. That guy can pray up a storm, it sounds. But the words are impressive, but we don't know where the heart is. And so we get so impressed with the words, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, so we have this prayer thing over here that Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. But on the other side, we have this aspect or this concept that says, guys, don't do it in such a way that you try to impress people. So there's a secret aspect of prayer that enables this, this prayer to become incredibly sacred or holy functional so unless this is in place don't try to just our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven forgive us my sins i forgive those who sins against me and, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen pray the prayer but i have no idea what i just said and and neither was my heart any close to that so what we think is oh, we're going to pray this prayer and and we actually make a formula or a ritual out of it but there's very little reality to it and the reality may i suggest this morning is found in a greek word called kryptos if you were in the first meeting you know what that means but if you weren't kryptos means secret and so the other word for it is hidden so jesus is saying there's a hidden life that will determine your prayer life and the power of your prayer life so don't, don't, don't just try to do this as a ritual, but there's not a hiddenness that, that supports this, that undergirds it. And I'll show you now what, it, what is so important to be able to carry this, why this stuff is heavy. We can't carry it without this support. And so the statement I'd like to make as we kind of just launch into this preach this morning is the following. And it's going to be up on the board. It is up on the board. The possibility of praying the kind of prayer that Jesus wants us to pray in verses 9 to 13, which is really difficult to, to, to live out or to pray, comes from the practice of a hidden life with Him. You see that? That's why I'm saying there's a secret life that develops the sacred life. Sacred is holy, honorable unto Him. So we try to live this sacred life, but there's not a secret life. It's impossible to have a life honoring Him and, and living out what He's saying we should pray unless there's a secret life. The good secret life. We'll talk about there can be a bad secret life. But the point is this morning that we need to have a secret life with God. That is not like Jesus said in verses 1 to 8 where it's all about pomp and, and words and and. You know, the amount of time. Have you, did you hear how much time that guy spends in prayer? And I'm not against that. Please, I'm not mocking it in any way. I'm just saying that Jesus says, when, when you pray, actually, it should be a very private affair. Nobody should really know. Because it's in those moments that, that God can speak to you and talk to you and show you what life is like and how you ought to live. That's why I made a simple statement from there is that practice makes prayer. It's not that one yet. 
practice makes prayer. Um, and that, that we practice the presence of God. And what I mean by that is, it's actually a guy who wrote a book years ago, practicing the presence of God. And, and really what it is, what it means is that you and I, let it become a lifestyle of being conscious of the presence of God. Now we all know that the presence of God, there's a big word called omnipresent. Uh-huh. The omnipresence of God, which means what? He's everywhere all the time. You can never get away from the presence of God. By the way, you shall never try to think that you can hide from God. I read Jonah this week. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm going to get away from God. He's not going to see me. Yeah, sure, you're going to get away from God. The omnipresence of God is there. We can never get away from Him. And so when we, when we talk about this, this practice of prayer, it's not that we forget about them and then once a day, once a moment or once in a day we suddenly become aware of him no it's just we are always aware of god he's he's always around but it's so helpful to at times close the door shut the door behind us to go and sit and think and if you don't have a door to shut for instance and you don't have a room for that kind of thing which i understand many people don't then you try to make something work for you some people go for a walk um and and they just get out of the house or wherever it is just to have that moment away with God. And it, and it equals just thinking about God and, and reading Scripture and, and praying and talking to God. And, but that secret life is absolutely key to a sacred life. We, I think we make the mistake. I don't know how we, how we are so ignorant and and with all due respect, so stupid sometimes. Because, you know, anybody that needs to be uh, employed in a certain occupation or wants to pursue a certain career goes through a moment of preparing for that, isn't it? Whether you want to do some sport, you, you practice, you, you engage in it. And there's a lot of hard hours that most people never see. And then when we come to Christianity and we expect people to be loving and kind and, and gracious and, and, and honorable and faithful, we expect them just to jump into it and we don't talk about the secret life. And, and I'm telling you, this is, this is basic stuff for us. It's the Christianity 101 thing where unless this is in place, we, we cannot expect that. And, and we should because Jesus says, I want you to look like I look, like Act like I do. But we've got to ask the question, how's your secret life? How's your, how's your walk with Jesus? How real is that? And it's not to come and, I just want to say this is what I do. And we try to impress one another like Jesus warns us against. It's not what people think. It's what God knows that matters. We can't hide anything from God. We can't try to impress God. I can tell you, <laughs> try to impress you, and you're like, oh, it's amazing, if you're so gullible, um, but I can never do that with God. And so Jesus is saying, uh, there's some stuff here that I want you to not only pray, I want you to live this. Because when you look at it, for instance, now, if, if we say, I want these things to be real, I want this sacred stuff in my life, what does it look like? you realize, boy, oh boy, I need a secret lifestyle. Because without the secret lifestyle, this stuff ain't going to ever work. 
And some of them are, not some of them, but the things here are found in this prayer that Jesus now says. He says, hey guys, this is what I want you to pray. But how many of you know that, that we can pray one thing and live another thing? It, it's, it's actually, again, I can rehearse this prayer as I just rambled it off earlier on. I can easily say the prayer. But to live the prayer is what Jesus is actually after. And so living the prayer comes from the secret place of being with him where he teaches me things and shows me things about who I am and, and, and where I need adjustment in my life and, and what needs to be added to my life. But unless I have that secret thing, the sacred thing ain't working. And so we have these expectations on one another, but we've actually not helped one another towards a secret place. So I can't force people, you can't force me into a secret place life with Jesus. It's got to come from your desire and your love for Him. It cannot come from the church saying, these are the requirements of membership that you've got to have at least one hour a day with God. Nobody's going to monitor that. And how will you give feedback on it? Your feedback is your lifestyle, by the way. The way that you reflect your secret life with God will become public knowledge. You agree? Whatever you do in secret, people will see in public. And we often make the joke that whatever you eat in private, people will see in public. Eh? That's <laughs> true. Yeah, you can't hide that. I, I had somebody that I spoke to last night on the telephone. And um, please don't ask me questions about who it is, but I just want to illustrate it this way. Um, I could hear the person had been intoxicated with alcohol. And I said, you can't hide this, I can hear. It's, it, it's not gone well today. Because that's stuff you can't hide, eh? And, and it's sad. But I think there's certain things that we think we are hiding and can hide in terms of our private life. Or the, inner, in the absence of being with Jesus. You're like, I can get away with it. I just go to church once a week and I'm like, yeah, everybody can see me I'm there. <laughs> and like, yeah, we may not know anything and that's fine. But God, who sees in secret, he knows everything. The omnipresent God. And he's not yet to knock us saying, why have you not? Because we live in a world that treats us like that, isn't it? Now Jesus says, hey, I, I want you to become like me. I want you to have a sacred lifestyle. But it's all dependent upon your secret walk with me. And each one of us know this morning where we stand with God in terms of our secret life with Him. I'm not here to condemn you. My, my task is to, is to encourage you, is to equip you towards mature um, woman and manhood in Christ. That's my task. I'm not going to police you in terms of what you should do and shouldn't do. I, it's impossible and I don't want to do that. My task is to, is to tell you that the reality of what the Word of God says. When I compare the portion before the, the prayer that Jesus teaches us with the prayer that He says to us that we need to pray, I realize this is not just a prayer. This is a way of living. And unless I get this in place, that'll be a ritual. That'll just be empty words. 
And, and I can pray this 50 times a day, the Lord's Prayer. But if the Lord isn't Lord in my life, and there's a secret walk with my Lord, then with all due respect, stop praying. Stop praying. Because you, you're not fooling God. You can fool yourself and you can fool people. But you're not ever going to fool God. And he's going to say those words. You say with my, your mouth, Lord, Lord, but your heart is far from me. And, and there's judgment for that. I've got to tell you that. There's not just the reality that there won't be much fruit, but there's judgment for that. That you said all along, you showed and you, he says, but I've got this one thing against you, Revelation. He says you've lost your first love. You, you pretend to be hot, but you're actually not even cold. You're lukewarm. And Jesus speaks against that. And, and I cannot, and it wouldn't be the right thing for us as elders to ever just, it's fine. It's okay. Understand that you're busy. Understand that pressures are huge. That's okay. We can't. We can't do that. See, it's either Jesus or nothing. There's not a middle way. And, and so Jesus, when he says to us, pray this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, I want you to know him as your Father. You can't just mumble the words and pretend that it's real. When you say, hallowed be your name, what does that mean? That means... I revere him. I respect him. I honor him. I submit to him. Like, you're important to me. You're, you're actually more important than anything else. Because then he says, pray this. Let your kingdom come. Let your rulership come in my life on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, how does it work? It's just, hey, there's, everything works well because everyone is in submission. There's no sin in, in heaven. Sin wonderful would that not be, hey, if it wasn't around like we do have it around here on earth. But that's a reality. So when we say, I want to ask that what is in heaven should come to earth. Like, hey, that's serious. We ain't going to fool around with that one. We can't. Because it actually means that I say, Jesus, you be king. Because in heaven you're king. And you're on earth. We have a choice. It's interesting that when you think about that, in heaven, there's no room for choice. Because in heaven, everybody is, is worshiping the Lord. It's, it's kind of like weird. We, we will get to heaven, but because if we have a choice, we'll still want to sin, I guess. But in heaven, we're glorified. And anyway, that's another discussion. But imagine this, that we're saying, God, you're on earth whilst we have the choice to, to choose or for you or against you, we want to ask that you will help us to choose right. So my prayer is, I want to choose right. I want to choose you as king. And I don't want to mess around with that. And, and so we got to ask ourselves the question this morning. My secret life, my, my journey with Jesus on my own, when nobody else is around, when it's just him and I, should formulate this desire in me to say to him, be king of everything that I do.
But if I take that secret life away, that aspect of my life where I give time for Him to speak to me, where it's kind of like, this is my training for life. This is my practice moment where I sit with Him and I learn from Him. Now I'm going to, I'm going to run up on the field and I'm going to play in the World Cup final of football and I have no idea how this thing works. And it's a radical example, I know. But that's what we do every day. We pretend we're going to go play the game without having a clue about the game. Because we've at least prayed the prayer. Do you understand what I mean? Is that Jesus, he lures us into this place of, come and sit with me, close the door, come and sit. I want to teach you. I want to show you who I am so that when you pray, it is real. It is my Father who are in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your rulership take place in my life on earth as it is in heaven. And then out of that, we're prepared to pray the next. Because when we submitted to his kingdom, then we are willing to do the next stuff, which comes from verse 11. So first we establish, hey, I'm here for God. This is my prayer that I pray that comes from an understanding of who he is, my, my secret time with him. Then the outworking, the sacredness comes from this reality of give us this day our daily bread. And, and look with me at how many times this pronoun personal pronoun of us and our and we are used. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debts, our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. How's that? Eight times. It talks about us. I actually never really kind of saw this that, that when Jesus teaches us to lay this foundation that Christ should be in control, that he should be number one. The next thing he says is involve people in your walk. It's not give me today my daily bread and just forgive me. It's not about me. It's about us. So our, our sense of identity and purpose is found in our togetherness, which, by the way, is under major attack at the moment. In this COVID thing. And people are saying, I, me, and myself, I'm okay. I can manage. And, and one of the things, and there's, there's kind of like a, a seriousness, if I may share this from, from us as elders at the moment, where we're saying, God, yeah, we, we want to fight for, for what you want to do in our lives at this time. And not just have church, but be the church. And, and not just to kind of, Okay, well, that's COVID, so we're going to just wait for the supposedly post-COVID era that will arrive. That will probably never arrive. Eh? It's always going to be, COVID's going to always be around. Uh, and so we're waiting for this, this ideal world or, or this utopia to arrive someday when we don't talk about this. We don't have to wear masks anymore. And, and we're like, okay, then the church can kick into, into activity again and do what it's supposed to. No, it ain't going to happen. And so in the meantime, we, we, we notice the reality of, of this closeness of us being under major threat. Where it's like, hey, hey, hey. we kind of pushing people away from ourselves a bit. I believe 
that in my secret walk with God, I become in a public walk with people involved in that. I can't separate the two. You know, we always say this. If you love Jesus, you've got to love his bride. It's not an option. And it's not talking about church attendance on a Sunday. It's talking about this, that we're in relationship with one another. And we're connected. And there's an interdependence. And we're saying us all the time. And I'm like, guys, I need you. Please. Please, I need you. I need to be connected to you. I want to push in hard into relationship with you and, and you with me. And so, yeah, in the simple prayer, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's simple, but we've made it a difficult thing. We've made it, first of all, a ritual or this religious thing that has no substance to it, that the private or this, the, the, the secret walk with God is not, is not, necess- is not um, celebrated enough in that. We think, it, it, hey, it's this formula. Let's just quickly pray. Our Father, we are in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And da-da-da-da. And, and God will just do it. He says, no, no, no. There's a secret life of submission to me, of recognition of who I am and complete dependence upon me that comes from just regularly being with me. That when you start praying, it's prayed from that premise of this is what I want to live like. I'm not just praying a prayer. I'm not just seeing or saying mere words. I actually mean it. And so you look at the rest of this prayer, and it obviously it involves issues like unselfishness. Give us this day our daily bread. When last have I prayed for others for their daily bread? Oh, I kind of always just pray about my daily bread. So Jesus confronts me. How can I see that change, that selfishness? It's only unless, until I find space in a secret walk with him that he challenges me about my selfishness. Because I'm selfish. I'm very selfish. I just think about myself. Now Jesus says to me, I need to pray a prayer. Give us. Out. I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> Is that Me? I want to start with me, where it involves provision. I know what my needs are. I don't know what your needs are. I mean, just send me a WhatsApp list or whatever. I'll think about it. I know exactly what my needs are. And it's kind of like we go to God and we just take selfies of ourselves. And we what's up to him? Jesus, this is where I'm at. You see? Just empty cupboard. Me in front of it. In front of the car that's broken, and and I just send out these selfies to Jesus the whole time. But uh, hey, Justin, won't you just get away? I'm just going to take a picture of me and like, no, who's this guy? You know what do they call photo bombing? So he just wants to come into my picture. You know, <laughs> it's like he wants to just enter my world and like, ah, I was there. Don't you just get away? I'm taking pictures of myself and I'm sending it to Jesus so that he can meet my needs. But hey, involving you guys in it, it's not space, really. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? He's not going to clearly see you because it's just me. And I think that's what we do. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. It involves you. You are also important. But we cannot have that mindset unless we spend time in the secret place where he confronts those realities in my life. Where I'm molded. One of the statements that I make here 
We enter the secret place not so that we can inform Him, but so that He can transform us. By the way, we have a lot of information that we can share with God, isn't it? Like, all my needs. And by the way, it says, before you ask, He knows already. So this prayer and the model of this prayer or the motivation of this prayer is not to give us a, a, a template to bring all of our needs now to God. He says, no, the reason I want you to come with me and be in the secret place with me and pray is not so that I can get information from you, which I already have, because I'm God. He's omniscient. That's the other omni about God. He's not only omnipresent, but he's omniscient, which means that God knows everything. He's knowledgeable about everything. There's nothing that he doesn't know because he's a creator. And so when we come to pray, it's not, I need to talk to God about this. And, oh, I haven't asked him about that. And, and I know it's good to talk to God. But the reason that we approach God and into this, this secret lifestyle with him is not to bring information, but it's to experience transformation, which changes the whole ballgame. So then for it becomes, I'm not rushed. Because we are rushed. Hey, Brent, I've just got to quickly, um, we just get you together. So talk about this. And, that, and then I've got another appointment at such and such a time. I'm going to quickly do that. And, and so we come to God like, God, I've got 10 minutes. I'll just God says, no, I, I want your time not to hear from you your information. But I want you to hear from me my information about you. So the transformation of you can take place. Oh. Okay, that's a little bit different, isn't it? Like now I've got to change my, my, my lifestyle a bit. I've got to change the agenda of, I've got to meet with God so that I can tell God what I need. No, 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 it's not. We meet with God so that we can hear from God what He wants to say to us about us from Scripture. That means that actually I'm not in control of that time. He is, and, and I know that kind of like, when do we stop with that? God's like, I need another hour. God, you know what I'm going to go just... I don't think it's that. I think it's more the principle of giving him space so that he can speak, he can direct, he can, big word, transform, transform. That's why you and I are still around. So that our transformed lives from the secret place with him can become a public testimony of who Jesus is. Boy, that's it. That's why we're still breathing. You all are still breathing, correct? take a deep breath we're supposed to find Christ enter relationship with him enjoy this secret life with him so that in this journey of secret life moments with him that are constant even as you sit now there's a secret thought that you have that I have no idea about that you can communicate with God about etc etc but the purpose of the secret journey with him is so that they can come transformation, uh, renewing of our minds so that the way we live and the way we proclaim and we demonstrate the kingdom could lead people to a similar persuasion over there. That our public life can become reflective of who Christ is. So and that's why when we then pray, we say, God, please forgive me. I've sinned against Justin. Please forgive me. And I, and I forgive Megan for what she's done again, Meg. She, no, um, I forgive her because there was something that happened. I forgive. But I thank you that you forgive us. And, and thank you that, that we have this ability to say no to evil 
and to temptation because my lifestyle needs to be one that honors you and glorifies you. I've got to close. There's more stuff to share, but it's amazing actually how sometimes between the first and the second meeting, there's often differences because maybe it's how Holy Spirit wants it, you know? Um, my, my plea with myself this morning and with us, can I include us in this, is that God wants us to pray, talk to Him, discuss things with Him because He's our maker, He's our friend. He loves community with us, or communion with us. He loves to engage us. And He loves it when we come with our needs to Him, that in that we're saying, God, we need you. We don't, we're so absolutely dependent upon you. But God loves it when we just come for Him. Just enjoy Him. And just read Scripture and let that impact our lives. Because the fruit from that is incredibly beautiful. Jesus said these words. He says, if you abide, Greek is meno. If you abide in me, when you remain in me, when you, when you not only visit me, but you lodge with me, he says, there will be incredible fruit. John 15 verse 4. And so, I encourage us about the simplicity of, again, this is basics, Christianity 101, of time with Jesus. Each one of us are called to reflect the beauty of Jesus and the reality of Christ in a public way by how we pray for others and care about others. But it starts with this. When the secret becomes sacred. And what we are here is not built on mm, my own efforts and my own abilities, but it's built on the sustenance that I find in a walk with Him. So wherever you are with that this morning, I pray that God the Holy Spirit will stir you towards this because it starts here and that leads into that. And we'll forever will be reminding each other about that. And so this morning as we, as we break bread, and we're going to close with that, I want to ask you that the next couple of minutes will be a secret moment for you between you and God. We often encourage one another to do it as friends, as, as couples, as families around the table. But this morning I want to ask you that the moment we break for that, that you will go and it'll be a, a private moment between you and God. And then if in any way you've, you've found this thing slip, this, just this lifestyle of secret moments with Him, that you will, you'll share that with God. Say, God, I've, I've let this thing slip in my life. I, I want to apologize. I want to repent of that. I've been too busy, whatever excuse there may be. But this morning, I, I want to, I'm coming back. So I want to commit myself to a secret life with you where you are glorified and where your principles are established in my life. And so then we break bread because we recognize that Jesus on the cross died for us and the broken body is, is symbolized through the little piece of cracker we use. And there's nothing in these elements that are important. What they symbolize is what is important about them.
And the cup is simply also just the, the blood of Christ that was spilled for us on the cross so that you and I can be forgiven for our sins and washed clean. And we celebrate that. And that is what enables us to come into a personal relationship with Christ, the secret walk with Him. And so this morning, if you, wherever you are in your walk with God, maybe reaffirm your secret passion and secret commitment to Him or reestablish it this morning. And by the way, if you're not part of the King City family, this table or these tables are open for you. You don't have to be a member of this local church. You just got to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, this doesn't make sense to you. So then please don't use it because then it's just a ritual. But if Christ is Lord of your life, you're open to in, enjoy this with us. And so Father, I thank you this morning that the, the prayer of Jesus in, in Matthew 6 is actually so much deeper than what I have actually ever seen. Lord God, that it is supposed to be supported and carried by a secret life with you. Nobody else sees us. That when we start praying these prayers, it'll actually be so much more real. Because in secret we have seen who the Father is. We're constantly engaging the Father. And we have made Jesus Lord of our lives and that when we pray it, it actually is confirmed by how we live. And so I pray this morning as we break bread now, thank you that we can do so in, in humble recognition of what you've done for us. But I pray for my friends, Father, that as we break and drink, that there will be something, decisions made, decisions confirmed about our secret walk that we have with you. And wherever we may have slipped, Lord God, I pray that people will make a renewed commitment again today. Say, Lord, I, I, I want to give attention to this. I've got to get back to a regular moment, moments with you where I'm exposed to the greatness of God. Father, I pray that you will help us towards that right now. Thank you, Jesus.